this retro thing for what it is Nostalgia goggles heavy on those things when we were kids I've got the memories of falling while my hair is turning gray I'm digging back on all the things that were better yesterday So for all those things nostalgic I also do is delight Right. Welcome to episode, it's probably 165, 165 sounds right. Once you get this high, it's like, it's up there. Uh, joining me here today, uh, having, you know, participated in last year's Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, we had a ton of fun there. So we've been kind of, you know, I've been looking for an opportunity to bring her back on the show. And what better opportunity than to talk about her new book coming out soon. Please welcome Sonora Taylor. Hello. Good to be back. Good to have you back. Uh, so let's chat a little bit about coming out on October 19th, Someone to Share My Nightmares, the newest uh, short story collection. Yeah, it's my uh, new collection, like you just mentioned. It's nine stories, um, including, uh, I think, two flash pieces and one poem. Uh, but most of the stories are longer form, whereas with Little Paranoias, most of them were flash fiction with just a few longer pieces sprinkled in. Um, but most of these stories are also, in addition to horror, being focused on romance. So, you know, you'll have couples experiencing the terror together. You'll have couples being the source of the terror. You have um, interesting peaks at post-breakups. You have... Uh, analyses on valentine's day uh there's even a robot involved in one of the shorter pieces so um i think there's a little something for everyone in there and uh it was interesting kind of exploring i mean most of my work has does include romance and or sex and this was the first uh collection where i deliberately set out to do that with every story and so um i'm enjoying what reviewers are thinking of it so far and i hope that when people read it uh you all enjoy it and and find a story you like yeah it's you you mentioned actually in the in the book itself kind of at the in the back piece about how sex in horror is usually there to, you know, signify this person's about to die or, yeah. you know, signify this is not a decision that they should be making and that you set out to get away from that and just say like, no, oh, it's, it's just people, it's just people having sex. Like, why does it have to be pigeonholed into one of those two things, which I found yeah. really interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is like, I mean, it's such a trope that they even mentioned it in Scream and in other slasher movies where you always know who's going to die because they're having sex and then get killed by the slasher. And, you know, it's almost kind of like, I think it's kind of an ironically puritanical approach to sex in a genre that prides itself on pushing limits and, you know, pushing against conservatism. But that's actually a pretty conservative viewpoint when it comes to sex. So, yeah, I mean, without spoiling anything, Thing. I won't say that sex always uh, isn't always followed by good things in the book. It's not because they were having sex or it's not so deliberately the, uh, one after the other that um, that that trope continues in my collection. I definitely like, you know, people have sex. I don't think it needs to be horrific in horror. I don't think it always needs to be, you know, 
I, I'm choosing my words carefully. It's like, it doesn't need to be a plot device in the sense that it, it, it is equated to monstrosity. Like it can be a plot device for characterization, for romance, to make things. I think it makes it interesting. I've been mentioning this a lot and I say this as well in my acknowledgements that sex and romance are kind of a willingness to place yourself into vulnerability, especially at the hands of another person. And so, you know, that alone is, I think, very interesting to explore in the context of horror. Agreed. Yeah. And, and there's, it's approached in so many different ways too. in each of the stories, like you said, it doesn't always necessarily mean good things, but it's not just the consistent like sex equals death. Yeah. Sorry. That's just, you know, those are the rules. And mm-hmm. there's, again, I don't want to say too, too much, but the sheer variety of those encounters, like you got vampires and demons. And as you <laughs> mentioned, like robots factor into it. Mm-hmm. Just every possible angle. <laughs> it's, <Yeah. laughs> just, it's hard to stop because it's just like, oh, I got to see how this one now plays out. Yeah, it's like, what, what's going to happen to this couple? And that's like, and, and that's the other part of it too, because I mean, well, each story is more one central character. I also think having a couple, uh, you know, my, my stories tend to be very like one person and the people around them. And so it was also interesting, especially in a story like uh, bump in the night where even though Tasha was the main character, the, uh, the plumber Connie was also like very much functioning. They were functioning as a pair in in the story as opposed to like you know connie being on the periphery while we see what's happening to tasha um you know it was kind of like in little paranoias i had a um uh somewhat not somewhat it was an erotic um dystopian story called seed and you know the main character in there was 80 but uh evan showed up and i like how at least because in that story i mean he was integral to the plot but he was still kind of you know, supporting. And so I liked having kind of two leading characters in a lot of these stories, uh, you know, giving, giving more people to experience the horror at once. Yeah. I think that dynamic worked well. Like they're very fleshed out characters for, uh, you know, a collection of short stories. And it is nice to just, yeah, kind of see those two characters team up to take on, like, you know, you don't have to go through the horror tropes of like, no, I swear, like this, this situation is happening. I don't know. You sound like yeah. an insane person. <laughs> And it, it was good to just have these people thrown into this situation that they immediately can look around and go, this is fucked up. <laughs> yeah, like, what the hell? What are we, oh we going to do about this? <laughs> so I, I appreciated that dynamic. Like, you don't have to spend that time watching them convince the other person that there's something supernatural at stake. The evidence is pretty clear cut. Yeah, like, and especially because almost like disbelief is almost a cliche at this point, you know, like it's, it's, um, I think there was a meme going around, it was like, uh, it's like, well, if there's one thing that uh, I'm gonna do as the dad in a horror movie, it's, it's, I'm not gonna believe my wife or something like that, you know, like just, oh, come on, you know, the house is fine. It's like, (laughs) we're gonna have that. I'd rather it be something like in Sinister, where the husband husband is obviously lying um you know to saying that everything's fine when 
you know, it's not. So Sinister is yeah. one of my favorite horror films. Agreed. So I'm always going to praise that one. I think it's perfect. So. I am stunned. <laughs> I got my wife to watch that one back then. I don't think I could ever pull that off now. I, I still Post can't kids. get my husband to watch it with me. And I think it's because it, it you like it genuinely, as much as I love it, it does genuinely scare me. I talk about how scary it is. And he's like, if you're terrified by it, I'm not going to watch it because he has a lower threshold for that than I do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sinister is, I mean, the title says it right there. It does not pull punches. So, so good. So good. Um, yeah, no, I loved it. I, I should watch that again. I watched it in daylight last year and I was still <laughs> creeped out, you know, like forever traumatized by those short films. <laughs> and then they made a sequel. I didn't watch the sequel. Collectively just... shrugged and went, well, okay. Well, because <laughs> like I mentioned, the, the first movie, in my opinion, is perfect. Like, I mean, probably the only thing I'd fix about it, spoiler alert for the movie, is that stupid jump scare at the end. I would just cut that out. Like, Yeah. But... but that, Especially as it's mm-hmm. not really a jump scare focused movie. Like it, yeah, it's, and so it's that a, just seemed kind of cheap. Like I think they just kind of threw that in at the end to be like ooga booga, you know. And I'm like, eh, that was kind of stupid. But which, you know, you you could just pretend it doesn't exist. Like it's yeah. far enough at the end, you could just pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> and we'll get there soon. But today's feature film discussion will also talk a little bit about throwing in an ooga booga at the end that yeah. maybe you didn't need, but. Uh, a couple more things. Let's give a shout out to the cover. Oh, yes. Damn, that is a hell of a cover. Thank you. Yeah, no, uh, Doug Puller did that cover for me. He um, he uh, has done the covers of all seven of my books so far. I had to count <laughs> there real quick. All seven of my books so far. And yeah, that one, actually, the cover idea came to me before I was even finished with the collection, because I was thinking to myself that it would be really cool to have like an inversion of Death and the Maiden, where uh, usually it's like a the angel of death holding a human woman. And so I wanted to kind of turn it around and have a human man holding a skeleton. Um, you know, I see the skeleton as female but obviously skeletons are you know can are (laughs) are uh genderless but you know i just saw this as an inversion of that painting or that style of painting it is it is something and this is um something I, if I had the time, I'd probably look at more closely and do some type of like academic reading or analysis, just how often a monster is paired with a beautiful human woman, but not the other way around. Um, I think that speaks a lot to who horror is seen as being for in terms of titillation. Um, Yeah. I'm struggling to think of a single example. Yeah, I actually, I was kind of semi-joking about this before, but I, I I follow a tea company on Instagram. It's called Satanic Tea Company. And they post a lot of like the pinup, like cheesecake style satanic shoots. But a lot of times it's with women as they usually are. You usually have kind of like a, um, why am I forgetting her name? Betty? So the, 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 you know who I'm talking about? I do. Oh, Unfortunately, the name coming to my head is Gretchen Mole because she played her in the movie. Like, um, I, uh. I, I feel really bad right now. But anyway, you usually have a pinup like her, you know, kind of like gothy, big boobed S&M style 
in there, but I semi joked on Twitter, like, I want to see satanic cheesecake pinups with men, <laughs> you know, like, I, you know, again, I, I, I was mostly kidding, but I was also just thinking, well, you know, sometimes like we like to see cheesecake uh, pinup photos of men, you know, it's yeah, not always sure. like just Chris Evans in a sweater. Sometimes we want them like, you know, chopping wood or like, you know, be being Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park, you know, <laughs> like, oh, and, man. We need an entire calendar of different actors doing Jeff Goldblum's pose from Jurassic <laughs> Yes. Park. Oh my gosh, that would be hilarious, including uh, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds, Chris Evans, as you said. Got to yeah. throw Chris Hemsworth in there. Get the two Chris, good Chris's. Throw, the, throw all the Chris's in there except Pratt. Put in yeah. uh, Chris Pine for sure. There's no um, room for Pratt in this calendar. I'm sorry, yeah. Pratt. Chris Messina, we know he'll drop trow. He he's like the only Chris that regularly gets naked on film. <laughs> Which one's Chris Messina? He was in um, Sharp Objects, and he was in the Mindy oh, Project. Okay, and, yeah, and a couple other movies. Um, as long as he's brunette in the calendar, because he dyed his hair blonde for a role, and I was like, <laughs> no. Well, we have a project now to work on. The sexy Jeff Goldblum homage calendar. Yes, yes, yes. We'll uh, we'll use our poll to get like our favorite actors doing oh, this. Yeah. Most of them are probably already listening. So you yeah. heard it, Hemsworth. <laughs> Once you're done, give me a call. I looked it up, by the way. It's Betty Page because that was Betty Page. Bug me too. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Okay, Betty Page. Betty Page is who I was talking about. And if Satanic Tea Company is listening, I do love your Instagram posts. So. <laughs> So yeah, the cover is immediately eye-catching for anyone mm -hmm. out there. Um, as we described, definitely check it out. Uh, right now you can pre-order Kindle version. Paperback's coming? I don't know. Yes, uh, paperback is coming. Unfortunately, uh, Amazon doesn't allow pre-orders on paperbacks and draft to digital is the same way. In fact, their paperback option is... Um, in beta right now so i'm on a waiting list for the beta so who knows if once that is ready if they'll do pre-orders but at the moment yeah it's it's ebook only for pre-order but um in addition to the paperback being available on amazon in a couple weeks i'm also going to be releasing it in hardcover uh that oh. option was introduced into kdp and i got my uh my author copy of it last week and it looks really good so if you feel like having a nice hardcover edition of someone to share my nightmares uh that one will be $18.99 and then the paperback i believe is $12.99 okay and so that one is i'm i was correct i believe with october 19th yes so right now yeah you can pop over in the sh in the show notes you can find links uh, so you can go ahead and pre-order the kindle version this episode will go live uh when we got today so the third so on the 10th so okay. you still got some time. Get those pre-orders in, everybody. It's spooky season. It's the perfect Ooh. time. The perfect time. I read this in two sittings. Would have been probably one, but kids. <laughs> Dad, we need to go to bed and we need food and stuff. It's like, oh, fine. Uh, so I had, their, had kids, to spread I it over two you. nights. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's, not, it's not like a, <laughs> one of them does ask, like, Daddy, what are you reading? A daddy book? Never you mind. <laughs> So they must just think I'm reading porn all the time. <laughs> I mean, with the last story, you're not wrong, but you know, I think the other ones are strictly are. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's much in here. It's like, because they have sometimes asked like, daddy, can you read some of your book? It's like, Oh, let me see. There must be a few passages here that are fine. <laughs> Maybe the poem. <laughs> Maybe. Just, as long as they don't ask what it means. 
Yeah. <laughs> what was that about? Uh, they just like to read books and everything's fine. <laughs> just, a, just a lovely book about romance that they were reading and there's nothing weird about it. Yeah. <laughs> just a bunch of consenting adults doing adult things. Go to bed. I mean, they are, you know, yeah. and that's important oh, yeah. too. I mean, before we move on to the movie, which probably tie in a little bit, um, I think it's important. One of the th- other things that drives me nuts sometimes with sex and horror is a lot of times it's not even sex, it's violence because it's rape or assault. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, especially as someone who, you know, while while rape and and assault happens to a lot of people in horror it usually is happening to women and so you know as a woman reading horror it's like i get tired of having my body being used that way over and over and over like it becomes like the only way that people think you can traumatize a woman and it's like and then when people are like well it's horror it's supposed to be traumatizing it's like well then even in that regard find something else i mean wouldn't you know if a guy was getting his head cut off in every single book wouldn't you be kind of like this ridiculous you know yeah. so <laughs> yeah it's that's a very good point it's very much worth mentioning that all of the, all of it is consensual there's no it that plot device is not used and so for anyone who has that specifically as a trigger there's the 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 rest assurance that that is not that is not a factor here it's right. Yeah. And also, if you do require trigger content warnings, I would like everyone to know that I do include them in this book. I include them at the back of the book right before about the author. So if you want to go in without spoilers, you won't see the list. But if you need a list of trigger content warnings, I include one in the back. Which is very much appreciated. We don't need to go down that road, but oh, no, of book, course not. Books, no, no. <laughs> your book should have content warnings. It doesn't ruin the book. <laughs> If it ruins the book, the book is not good. <laughs> if your entire perception is that you're hardcore, there's a bigger problem. I don't need <laughs> well, constant also, warnings. Even the most hardcore of movies, like, again, I treat them as the things you see on the rating that explain what it is, you know, yeah. and and no one's asking for it, for it to, like, be on the front cover where no one can miss it. Like, just say that you have them in the back. Like, if you're worried about some, like, you know, with some of the content warnings I give, they are spoilers, but that's why I put them in the back, you know, just so if someone doesn't want to be spoiled, they can they can skip it but if someone needs it they know immediately where to go yeah exactly which is the perfect way to do it yeah not asking you to click a box to acknowledge you've read all the content warnings before you can read the book come on (laughs) are you 21 yes no that's the that's the i that's the one they do in the u.s if you're visiting an alcohol website but they don't verify it ever so it's like the the worst block on the planet (laughs) i don't know they bother doing that here uh yeah well it's just an honor system you're canadian you won't lie (laughs) well you're isn't the canadian drinking age younger too isn't it 19 19 yeah so it's like at that point why you know I got to be the cool guy who turned 19 first amongst my group of friends. So, ah, so, which was kind of cool, but then mostly just like, you know, ends up being, you have to just kind of be the irresponsible one. It's like, all right. My friends who went to college further up north often talk about driving over into Montreal because they could drink <laughs> legally. <Yep. laughs> yeah. I think, it's, I think it's even 18 over there. So, 
Oh, it may be. I mean, the youngest I've ever encountered personally was 16 in Italy. So, yeah, we never got carded. <laughs> the party never stops in Italy. <laughs> but before we move on to the movie, is there anything else you want to make sure people know? Like, I, you know, I, I am giving it my highest of recommendations. It's a perfect book for the season. If you only have a little bit of reading time here and there, it's also perfect for that. Like, it lends itself so well to just, I have a little bit here. You read a story, you go back. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I, I want to mention on the show that uh, in addition to my stories, there is a foreword in the book from V Castro, who um, is a fellow author. She's amazing. And I was really happy and flattered and honored that she agreed to write the foreword for the collection. She was the first person I thought of, not just because we've um, worked together on Fright Girl Summer, but because she writes horror and romance and horror and sexuality really well. So, you know, I thought this is the type of, this is a collection that I want her to look at and share her thoughts on. And so I was really happy she she wrote that forward and so um i would definitely recommend reading the forward it's it's very good um you know i say recommend reading the forward as if it's like an option but i know i know there are people out there i used to be one of them who skip the forwards um i can promise you there's no spoilers in it beyond just vague you know plot mentions so mm-hmm please read it. Uh, It's great. She's great. Read her books. She has a queen of the cicadas out right now. And one of my favorite reads this year was goddess of filth, which she released earlier, I believe in March. I have that one on the shelf. I have not gotten to it yet, but I agree with you on queen of the cicadas. Yeah. I haven't read read that one yet, but I, I, I I need to, I've got it on my shelf. I've got so many books on my shelf. (laughs) I remember reading that one in the waiting room at an appointment and being kind of pissed when they called me in. Oh, that's my like, memory of that can you, book can you wait like five minutes you know? yeah it's like you're normally like really you're on time now <laughs> well fine, i mean fine come, come get, fix my teeth come get it come get health care here you will be met late so <laughs> uh, i'm good i have been yeah i <laughs> know you, right you, thank you'll you be for late that, and no. you'll pay more money <laughs> oh so win-win yeah. No, honestly, I was like once the first appointment of the day and my doctor managed to be late. I don't go to that office anymore, but that's borderline impressive. Infuriating, yeah, well, they were like, oh, I locked impressive. myself out of the house. I'm like, <laughs> like... <laughs> and I don't know if I have faith in you as a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> So oh, I just realized, I know no one can see it on here, but oh. I, okay, um, this was a water bottle. It says proud member of the A team. It was for our Canada themed caps prom at, um, at a bar in downtown DC. Very nice. <laughs> a Canadian cliche, but one we live up to every day. Yeah, so. it was one. I mean, you know, we, we tried not to be too heavy on the, on the Canadian stereotypes, but I think just, you know, that one was so it was right there. <laughs> yeah. Any Canadian who gets upset about that as a stereotype is lying to themselves. We say that shit. <laughs> we, we totally, like we do. 100%. We do not say a boot, but we say a. Yeah. We have sentences that are like, yeah, no, maybe, nay. You know, I don't think That's I've the ever, thing we yeah, say. I've never heard a boot. The only thing I've heard is bean instead of bin. So that that's the one that mm. gets me when I'm listening to like a, a video or a podcast and um i don't realize they're canadian until they say ben or you know <laughs> oh i don't even know if i've noticed that one yeah or oh. uh sorry 
so okay yeah well yeah, yeah but that's, <laughs> that's a biggie yeah like i mean Anyway, otherwise I'm going to get on a tangent about when I went to Ireland and they'd ask me American or Canadian when they heard me talking. So, <laughs> Did they expect one? Like, did they prefer one answer over the other? I can't tell. I just know that uh, when we were at one pub and I mentioned we were American, they immediately started doing Texas voices. So, oh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> or, or New York, like heavy New York, you know. <laughs> Oh, Ireland. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. What better way to tie in with a with a book that combines erotic and suspense with an erotic thriller? Woo! <laughs> a movie neither of us had seen. Nope. Which is getting rarer and rarer around these parts. 1987's Fatal Attraction, the highest grossing movie of 1987, which is insane to think about that in 87, the highest grossing movie could be like an adult suspense drama. Whereas now already it looks like it's going to be Venom 2. Yeah, this is back definitely when more where we're people, at. This was back when people were still investing in movies strictly for adults and putting the budget behind it. Like, which, you know, I'll de- I definitely have critiques of the film, but it was a well-made film. Um, you know, like you could see... That, that is actually a real phenomenon people have noticed where you don't really have like major releases that are just for adults. Now that's been kind of like shuffled to either the independent theaters or to streaming services. But as such, you know, when teenagers grow up and they want, you know, something more than just like the big boom blockbusters, it's like everyone's like, no one's coming to the movies anymore. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, like you got to make us some new fatal attractions. Yeah. I, yeah, I just saw the, with a new angle. <laughs> the director is directing his first movie in 20 years. Oh, wow. Adrian I, Lynn. Yeah. Um, Do you know what else if, he directed? Jacob's Ladder. He, well, I saw that. That is more shocking to me. This was a movie we watched last week, it was Flashdance. Oh, he did do flat. That's right. Because a lot of that, he also, like, after this, he does Indecent Proposal. Oh, God. Yes, that makes perfect (laughs) sense. That was the one. So when I told my husband we were watching Fatal Attraction, he goes, is that the one they turned into a musical in Big Mouth? And it's like, no, that was Indecent Proposal. (laughs) But they they knew what they were doing when they set out to make that. Like, get us the Fatal Attraction guy. Because he also did 2002's Unfaithful. Oh, oh, he did do that movie. Perfect sense. Oh, okay. Because see, I was saying that Unfaithful, I believe, is the last erotic thriller I remember, at least as a major release. Uh, I Because it is something that has fallen out of favor recently, and I do kind of wish they'd come back, granted with better plot lines than what we saw in Fatal Attraction. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, is you can sum up the plot of fatal attraction real quick in fact even if having not seen it i knew most of like what was probably going to happen in fatal attraction yeah Uh, like i mean in three words it's bitches be crazy yes basically (laughs) that could be the tagline for fatal attraction bitches be crazy and i mean it's kind of sad because i mean obviously you know i don't think there shouldn't be movies about women stalkers It, it happens but you definitely could tell that it was written 
at least I believe it was written by a man and definitely directed by a man. So like, uh, let me check about the writing. Yeah, say, I think you're right. Um, I would be shocked if a woman wrote that. Although, James Dearden. Yeah, that sounds yeah, like a dude. That is absolutely a man. <laughs> well, assuming. Yeah. Wow, he did not go on to do much after this, which is oh. kind of weird. This was like, oh. this movie was a big deal. Like it was up for best picture at the Oscars. Yeah. Did, weren't they nominated for acting Oscars? Um, um, I don't think Douglas was close. Definitely was. Absolutely. And uh, the wife, <laughs> uh, Ann Archer. Oh she yeah. Was yeah. Ann Archer, sweet understanding Ann Archer. Yeah. You know, one of the first things I noticed in that movie, I mean, they weren't trying too hard to say Ann Archer was a ball buster, but they were definitely like implying that she wasn't meeting the needs at home when he had his indiscretion over the weekend. Like, you know, she's busy going to go like getting her work together and she's leaving the house. And then when they come home and get ready to have sex, like uh, I, the little girl comes in and she's like, Oh, come on, just one night, you know, like, like ignoring the husband's uh, needs, you know? And so Mm -hmm. they, I mean, even though I will say the movie, I'm glad that they had the wife stand up for herself when she found out he had an affair, but there was still a little bit of like, well, we can see why he strayed, you know, like, and it's not because he's a jerk, you know, it's like. (laughs) Yeah, the movie seems a little too eager to make sure we don't lose, you know, they don't lose our support of Michael Douglas too much. Yeah, which. Which. Eh. Like, I mean, you know, honestly, like there were definitely things there that were so extreme. I would not wish them on everyone, but there were a few things there. I'm like, um, actually, I think my husband put it best. He said this movie could be called Well, Oh, Well, if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. Yeah, really. And he's weirdly not like just nonchalant and chill the whole time. I guess we should. We like in case you don't know the plot of Fatal Attraction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Michael Douglas. I don't know. He's a lawyer. I think he's an editor. Oh, is he a lawyer? And I thought she he, was and an she editor. An editing company. I guess he's like a lawyer for a, a publishing house or something. Some big deal New York job. Yeah. <laughs> one of those jobs. Yeah. One of those 80s movie Wears jobs. A suit, lives in a nice apartment in the good yeah. part of town, unlike Glenn Close. <laughs> yeah. Basically, he meets Glenn Close and they very quickly sleep together. Like the like I, it's 20 minutes into the movie. And they yeah. are grabbing at each other like this is their last chance for sex ever. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. It was almost too fast, but the movie did do a good job casting two people who had chemistry because I could at least believe like once they started having sex that they wanted each other. You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, I mean, this is Michael Douglas during his boning period. This is like, <laughs> this is Michael Douglas at peak sexual where he was almost too sexy. Is this like, when he got throat cancer? <laughs> Oh, I don't know about that, but oh no, he didn't have it then. But when he had throat, not to make jokes about throat cancer, fuck cancer, but when Michael Douglas was diagnosed with throat cancer and he's since, you know, I think he's in remission now, um, he blamed it on quote eating pussy. Like he said, he he said that's how I believe it. Yeah. I had to pause the movie numerous times. So I was like, it's he's too sexy. I can't deal with this. 
Yeah, because there was also Basic Instinct. Did that come out? And just, uh, Basic Instinct was a few years later, but like still, like yeah, he had that he had Disclosure mm-hmm. with Demi Moore. I'm pretty sure they oh, were. Yeah, that one. I forgot yeah. about that. One. <laughs> so this was definitely when you know, if you wanted a a, a middle aged dude to get down in your movies, <laughs> Michael Douglas. <laughs> No wonder and, Catherine Zeta-Jones couldn't resist him. <laughs> oh, I know. I completely get it now. That trilogy of movies, she was like, what am I even supposed to do? How can I resist this? Did you know the first thing he ever said to her was, I want to be the father of your children? <laughs> how can you How can you argue against lines like that coming out of Michael Douglas's mouth? <laughs> On that note, just real quick before we get back to the movie, I'm still not convinced that the Kominsky method is a real show. I keep thinking it's like this fake show that they put into awards is a big joke. <laughs> so, I could believe it because I have never seen a human being ever talk about that show in any, nope, not even I like. I know no one who watches it. Nobody. It's kind of like young Sheldon. I do not know a single person who watches that show and yet it's been renewed true. for like three seasons. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it is some sort of embezzlement scheme. <laughs> That if you were to search for it on Netflix, you wouldn't even get a result. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think they announce it when there's a new season coming out. But yes, nobody no, I don't talks even know about it's that show. On until I see it nominated for a Golden Globe every year for Michael Douglas. So <laughs> good for him, I guess. He's somewhere doing the work, maybe. I don't know if he's, I mean, yeah. he's in the Ant-Man movies. I don't know if he's quite hitting. Well, that's, yeah, I forget. Yeah, sexual he, he, prowess there, but. Yeah, there, there's his paycheck to, uh, series. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so they, he sleeps with Glenn Close and mm-hmm. Glenn Close starts to, you know, exhibit some perhaps Stalker. not normal behavior. And then things escalate and escalate and escalate. Fatal Attraction, basically. Yeah. How's yeah, Michael Douglas going like, to get out of this one? And, you know, it starts simple, like with the phone calling and stuff like that, until it escalates to violence. And one of the things I found really interesting in the movie is that um, they make it a point to have, at one, one point, Michael Douglas goes to the police and they say they can't do anything about it because she hasn't hurt him or, like, attacked him yet. And so it basically, they they don't intervene until it's too late, one could argue. And um, I mean, that is very true for, especially for experiences where women are being abused by their male partners. But one of the things I found interesting is that this movie was definitely playing that moment as like a show of injustice. And I'm like, I was just found myself wondering like, yeah, well, it is an injustice, but that they're only showing it that way. It seems like I couldn't help but think they were only showing that because it was happening to a man. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if at that point we would have seen a movie about that happening to a woman and had that much weight on it in a big mainstream film that wasn't also like exploitative in terms of how they were showing the woman being harmed. Um, uh, it was just I found that interesting They're like you know they're like oh well when it happens to you know because it's happening to Michael Douglas and he can't get justice it seemed it just seemed more like it's awful that men it seemed more like the movie was saying it's awful that men can't be protected from crazy women than people can't be protected from disturbed people yeah. um, why, I don't know if you agree or not I do yeah, it's kind of almost goes back to 
I feel like the movie is trying way too hard to get us to to side with Michael Douglas. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Like, the, I don't know. It, it could have been more of a gray, like a gray area, but it feels like right after it happens, it's like, yeah, but she's insane, so he doesn't, he just shouldn't have to deal with this. And why yeah, won't anyone I mean, help poor Michael Douglas? I, is, is it the cop who says, like? Basically, the cop, like, oh, you'll have to deal with the cop. Like, oh, you made your bed, now lie in it. Is it the cop that says that, or is it his friend? Someone says, I think it's the it's cop. Either cause... his friend or, yeah, I think it's a friend or a lawyer. I don't think the cop said that. Okay, because, yeah, I, I, it's when he's saying, oh, this is happening to a friend of mine. He's like, well, you're, it sounds like your friend made his bed, and now he's just going to have to lie in it. Yeah, I think that was, like, his colleague or something okay. in the office, so. Because at that point, I'm pretty sure we have found out that she is pregnant or she is telling him that she is pregnant. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that she wants to keep the baby. Yeah. Which up until that point, he's been dealing with all of this extraordinarily well. Like it's not Mm -hmm. just a one night stand. They spend the weekend together. They go picnic together. And then even afterwards, spaghetti. (laughs) Yeah. And even afterwards, he's just so like, he's never worried like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done this. He doesn't seem to have any regrets about doing it. Like, there's not that moment where he's like, this was a mistake. He mm-hmm. just keeps like, okay, well, that was a fun weekend. And now I'm going to go back to my life and everything's great. Yeah. And I mean, there that does happen sometimes. And I'm thinking, and there are also women who feel spurned. I think it's just because she went so extreme in such a short amount of time. That's where it can be a little hard to take it seriously, like watching mm-hmm. it now. Because it's just like, because, you know, it definitely promotes that idea like women will go nuts if you don't call them. But it's like he also could have, you know, shown a little human decency to both his wife and to uh, Glenn Close's character. I forget. The, the character's name. Her name is Alex Forrest for Alex, sure. Alex, okay, yeah. So his wife's name I'm blanking on. Daughter's name is Ellen because they say that a lot. Mm-hmm. I think his name is Dan because they say that a lot. Yeah. I don't... I goof. I'm just going to cheat and look it up. <laughs> the wife's name is Beth. Beth, okay. That still doesn't ring a bell, so... yeah. I feel like not um, a lot of people were addressing her by name, I guess. And I remember I was reading the trivia about the movie afterward, and Glenn Close was saying that if, you know, she could go back and change something, she'd, she'd want the movie to focus more on the fact that she's saying it's very obvious that the way Alex was reacting, she was mentally ill. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think I would agree, but less because they were showing a nuanced portrayal of mental illness and more because it was just so extreme how they made alex you know the crazy woman who's been spurned like it almost would have been more effective if she'd just been like a little more subtle in the stalking because you know she even has that moment where she like looks at dan she's like i'm not gonna let you uh forget me and just spurn me like some slut you know like while you get to like enjoy yourself over the weekend that would have been all way more effective if like you said they weren't just trying so hard to have you feel bad for dan by having her like literally trying to kill him or you you know, like making threats and, and being violent and unstable. Like you could have had an effective film about this by having her maybe, you know, just have all the stuff like the constant calls or the showing up at the apartment. Like it was really creepy when she came to the apartment and overrode, you know, the fact that he changed their phone number. She comes to his place and meets the wife and then gets their new phone number like that 
was creepy. And that's something I would believe a stalker woman or man would do, you know, like just try and get in there. Whereas like when then they immediately jump to, I'm going to kill their rabbit. Yeah. (laughs) When they play the ultimate look, the audience may still not want to side with Michael Douglas. So she's got to kill a bunny. Yeah. Like it's the easiest kind of most (laughs) safe way to get an audience to turn on a character is to have have her not only kill it, but boil it. Well, also point blank, you could have like with even without that, when she like kidnaps Ellen and spends the day with her, like pretending to be her mom before dropping her off again. And again, that was realistically creepy. Like that's something, but no, they had to boil the rabbit, like you mentioned. And I mean, you know, you could make a case that maybe they were taught like making a rabbit die joke because she was pregnant. But um, yeah, I think it was just more trying to be like, look, she's, she's going to escalate from the bunny to the family, you know, like, yeah. And the, I mean, the bunny wasn't that cute, so it didn't bother me that much. <laughs> <laughs> it helped me knowing it was coming because you know. Yeah, I, like, I knew that. Yeah, that's because I knew about that. Did you catch the foreshadowing in the beginning when she was talking? She was talking on the phone with Dan, and she, you know, Dan mentioned the dog, and and she's like, "Oh, bring the dog. I love the animals. I'm a great cook." <laughs> oh, I actually I didn't connect that. I remember that yeah. line, but I didn't connect that. Ooh. <laughs> well done. Yeah, the uh, the daughter kidnap scene was very unsettling. It's a, it it so took me creepy. out of it a little, having just had a kid who started school and knowing all of the insane precautions that you have to go through to have I, the I mom show up and have everyone say, in the, "Yeah, like, I don't know uh, if they had those precautions in the '80s." If I'm being real, like, no, I, I don't think they did. Yeah, but I think it was started, really weird. I think that started probably like after the daycare panic and um and just you know with with increased worry over kidnappers and serial killers like that became more of a thing in in the 90s like you had to prove you were their parent like yeah the 80s about. was clearly super chill because the mom shows up at the school to pick up her daughter and is just told oh I don't know, she left someone got her i don't know <laughs> i like I, like i would have sued the school i'm like are you kidding? immediately <laughs> especially after what happens later like look what you look what you did yeah, but they're all just so casual. Like they're not even panicked, really. Like I don't know, she went over. It wasn't so, you. interesting thing about the daughter. Before I forget, the actress who played her also played uh, Ruby Sue in Christmas Vacation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, that makes yeah. sense because I did kind of. She seemed kind of familiar. Mm-hmm. It's not, she's not bad child actors not yeah, in it that you know, much. she did she did her job she she was a child a realistic one yeah um i did notice that i think they were doing cuts to make sure that the actress was not actually on the set when like she and michael douglas when the michael douglas and the wife were fighting um or like anything truly violent or traumatic was happening like you know but that i don't know that would make sense. Well, it's kind of like in The Shining how Stanley Kubrick was very protective of the actor playing Danny to the point where Danny didn't realize he, the actor didn't realize he was filming a horror movie until he watched it on TV years later. That must be so weird to think <laughs> you were, maybe you were just filming a family comedy and then you seem to go, oh my God. <laughs> That's why I was running from Jack Nicholson. <laughs> That's why I'm uh, scared of the girls in the hallway. <laughs> like... Oh no. Yeah, it must have been the same for Fatal Attraction. It's like, I thought I made a movie where about a mom and dad who love each other and they get in a fight. 
Yep. And then he's just away. Like he's just away from home. And that's why she wants her daddy to come back. <laughs> yeah. And she would have no idea. She's in all the safe scenes. <laughs> Do we talk about the insane escalation at the, in the end and all of the stuff that happens there? I think we need to, especially because um, you had the scene at the end where or you had two scenes at the end. One where Michael Douglas is coming to Alex's apartment and they get into a big scuffle where she tries to kill him. And I forget if he also tried to kill her or if it was strictly in self-defense. But I thought he just showed up and started attacking her. That was my memory that he just kind of shows up in the apartment, bashes the door in and That's right. He did. Yeah, yeah. And then when they're done fighting, she grabs the knife and tries to kill him. So, yeah. And this was after I think the rabbit boiling. Yeah. Uh so it wasn't just because she was calling all the time. You know, again, they try to make it be like Michael Douglas did nothing wrong, you know. Like, yeah. Oh, and his wife is in a, in the hospital because she gets into a car accident while searching for the daughter. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so. Uh, that's also a thing that is upsetting him. Yes. Yes. In addition to the duress of being stalked by someone. Yeah. Who's unstable. So, so you got the, 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 de- so, the deck is stacked. Boiled bunny, wife in hospital, daughter kidnapped. <laughs> you, you've reached a, you've reached a point that would make it seem like you'd had probable cause. And that's where we get to um, the changed ending because originally Fatal Attraction ended with the scene in Alex's apartment. Spoiler alert in case anyone... uh, Yeah, spoiler alert for both the actual and alternate endings. Yes, so the alternate ending was going to have, once Michael Douglas left the apartment, left Alex's apartment, left her like in a heap and crying on the floor, Alex, while carefully making sure that uh, Dan's fingerprints were on the knife, killed herself. And then the police would investigate, find Dan's prints on it, and he would be arrested and go to jail and framed for her murder. Which, you know, is kind of, to me, I think a good poetic justice ending with everything happening. But when they screened that ending for audiences, they were so upset that Alex, even though she's dead at the end, didn't get actual justice that they thought she deserved, which was her being killed. They did a different ending. A very different ending. A very different ending where everyone is back at the house. Or do you want to mention this ending, Sean, so I don't like take over the whole thing? (laughs) Oh, sure. So yeah, the original ending is on the Blu-ray. So I did watch it. And yeah, Michael Douglas gets arrested. It is kind of weird because she also leaves a tape that says, by the way, I killed myself. So the wife takes that and presumably goes to the police and gets him off right away. But then it shows... Alex yeah. like slitting her throat while listening to the music from the opera that she loves. Oh yeah, from Madam Butterfly. Yes, there we go. Credits, which fits more with kind of the tone of the movie, I think, especially having, you know, I watched the movie and then watched that ending and went, okay, yeah, that, but instead they decided to go for the, all right, what if she just becomes the Jason Voorhees unstoppable killer <laughs> at the end yeah. She shows up at the house. It it does have one really unsettling bit of business where, so the wife's like getting out of the shower and then Glenn Close is right there. And while Glenn Close is talking to her, she's kind of just casually rubbing a knife against yes. her thigh that and like cutting into creepy. herself. That was very creepy. That was just... like the only thing that made that scene worthwhile to me, especially with the really good cutting between like the wife looking in the mirror and looking over her shoulder, then like wiping the steam and Glenn Close is there, you know, like the 
cat classic horror. You yeah, know, all like, of that worked pretty well. They get into a fight. Michael Douglas can't hear it because he's boiling water. Like he's which is a tea. running theme in this movie. <laughs> yeah, like, like he can't. He's making tea, so he can't hear his wife screaming for her life upstairs until he takes the steaming kettle off the thing. I've boiled water. I don't think it would drown out <laughs> the sounds of someone screaming and upstairs. An old house like but... that probably isn't going to be very soundproof. So. No, <laughs> he's, I, I don't understand. But as soon as the kettle comes off, it's like, oh no, my wife's in trouble. Takes a weird long time to get up there. Gets upstairs, drowns Glenn Close in a ba- in the bathtub. Which actually, the bathtubs does that even factor in? The bathtub's overflowing and it shows that it's leaking down onto the. But I don't even think that. Yeah, well, that's when he noticed. I think something was wrong because the water was dripping onto his head. Okay, I didn't even somehow catch that. I just noticed that he took the kettle off and then heard screaming and ran. Yeah. Uh, So he drowns her in the bathtub, and we think, oh, good, justice for Michael Douglas. Except they got to get in that carry. Yeah, the 13th final part one moment scare. where she jumps out of the water in the background to go, ah, and the wife shoots her. So that's the end of that problem. Yeah. So at least at the end, it's like Michael Douglas didn't kill her, his wife did. <laughs> Which is something, at least. Yeah. And it, it, someone did point out that it went in with the theme where Al- Beth had looked at Alex and said, if you, if you, come near my family again i'll kill you so you know she followed through on that promise but which i i do love a good threat follow-up in my movies yeah. if a character says like i'm gonna drink beer out of your skull and then at the end of the movie drinks beer out of their skull yeah drive angry starring nicholas cage if anyone thinks i'm making that up <laughs> also spoilers for drive angry starring nicholas cage but i do i do appreciate that kind of stuff but it it, it is an escalation and Glenn Close is on the record saying the same thing that it's, you know, they, they're not exactly subtle with the character, but there's more nuance to her yeah. until at the end, she's just full on. Yeah. Especially because I think they just, that was definitely a thing where maybe they should, shouldn't have listened too closely to the test audience. Like you could have even changed the ending a bit and had it be like, maybe they were scuffling in the apartment and he accidentally or on purpose murders her you know because then it would be less like michael myers style oh this woman is in fact like you know because it definitely went beyond femme fatale i mean it went beyond femme fatale the minute the rabbit was in play Mm -hmm. but you know like at least if they'd been fighting in that one last apartment scene that would have been the climax because you know basically kidnapped his daughter put his wife in the hospital he's going insane you know they did show him like slowly losing his mind um they could have done that more effectively i think without you know like i mentioned without alex just being so extreme like so soon but even that aside i think if they really wanted to have an ending where it's not her committing suicide and framing him for murder it's just him getting his justice then you could have done that in that apartment and not had like the slasher movie ending in the house. Yeah. The question is though, does it still become the highest grossing movie of 1987 with the darker ending? Or is it now, you know, when you have the moment where the wife shoots her, you get your audience like, yeah, take that. Maybe. I mean, although, you know, people weren't spoiling endings as much back then. I don't think so. There surely there was like two hours worth of stuff that people were going to see it before that ending, but 
Yeah, but they maybe might have left and been like, as much. Exactly. <laughs> like maybe they leave and go like, I was liking it. I really didn't like the ending though. So I don't know if you should bother. No internet. So we got to rely on our friends. Yeah. And if my friend says no thanks, then like, okay, well, yes, I'm not seeing fatal attraction. <laughs> so I, I think that I don't, I'm trying to remember if, because the director introduces the alternate ending on the disc. I think even he kind of says like, this is the ending we wanted. Yeah. I, I'm going to guess that the studio made them film that other one. And I'm going to guess that someone else wrote it um, because it's yeah. like, so different from the rest of the film. Like, And then it ends on the picture of the family smiling so that we can all walk away and go like, oh, they teamed up to kill the crazy mistress. <laughs> now the nuclear family has been saved. Uh, yeah. Fuck you, Soviet Union. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> everything's going to be fine. <laughs> Nothing like a murder to bring everybody together. Yep. Well, you know, it was a crazy woman. So, and, and who was also um, a childless workhorse, like um, Susan Faludi's backlash theory and feminism focused largely on this movie um, oh. and the way Alex was portrayed because this movie, she argued, was presented as a warning to women that if you don't get those eggs fertilized and get your man, you're going to end up crazy like Alex, you know? <laughs> do you, I mean, this makes things kind of darker, but do you think she was telling the truth about being pregnant? Maybe. The, the ending becomes so much more fucked up. I know, was and that was truth. another way, you know, they just kind of attached the ending because, yeah, they didn't even talk about the fact that he, that they not only uh, killed alex but her fetus like you know she yeah. was pregnant so like, it's one step away from the two of them just like high-fiving at the end yeah like, we did it good job <laughs> um but i don't know didn't he call her doctor and yeah and i'm pretty sure it? the doctor confirmed it i think she was telling the truth yeah i think i she think was, if she was too, lying I mean, and... i'm gonna guess they didn't use protection and you know like it's and especially if like we believe about her character she really wanted a baby like she probably wouldn't be using birth control like i don't know if she went in having sex with michael douglas thinking of trapping him with with a baby but i'm sure she was like eh, if it happens it happens you know? yeah because <laughs> oh, yeah, he's stunned that she didn't use anything like that's when they she reveals she's pregnant she's like he's like you're not on birth like, control no. and i'm thinking like you didn't use a condom yeah it's like, like what a <laughs> fucking crazy assumption to make michael douglas yeah especially in the heat of the moment i mean like i you know i'm all for like i you know i'm i'm all for showing safe sex on film but i am also a fan of just let the sex scene roll out and we assume they're both adults and having sex safely i don't need to see them like holding up the condom yeah to the know? camera to be like but, don't worry yeah. <laughs> by the way <laughs> direct, i just need a know? second to get <laughs> this on good idea but, but however like if the fact that he only brings up the BC and it's not even mentioned, well, you didn't use a condom. It's like, yeah, you know, or it, they could have said something like it broke or that would have been an even, you know, way to play her up because it maybe she gave him one and had poked a hole in it. Yeah. You know? Like just stuff like that. So. Yeah. What about, you know, one of the things that also struck me on a lesser note was they tried to show like her station in life by showing her in this really shitty apartment, like, and they showed it was shitty by like having punks leaving the apartment. Oh, like, at yeah. one point. 
Um, and I think it was in a pre-gentrification meatpacking district because they showed like the trucks going by with the with the meat boxes and the carcasses, I think. So Yeah, I forgot about that all too. Yeah, but mm. she like lives in like a really grimy area. Like it looks like it's under a either a subway track or a highway bridge. And you know, they're in that cage elevator that Dan and Alex have sex in at one point. So <laughs> Yeah, which seems I don't know, she seems like she has a good job. Oh. Yeah, I mean that <laughs> that kind of surprised me too. Like, you know, just and her apartment inside looked nice. It's just like the outside looked terrible. Yeah. So. They portray her as a successful businesswoman before she starts throwing rabbits into pots. And but see, that's why she throws rabbits in the pots, because she was a successful businesswoman and wasn't there for a man. <laughs> oh, fatal attraction. You know, one of the things I first ways I noticed that they were kind of making that though is that uh, making that connection is when Beth leaves for the weekend and she leaves like cold reheatable spaghetti in the fridge and she's like oh you can just you know have that what I'm going to be gone another day so you can just reheat the spaghetti so then when Dan goes over to Alex's house the first thing that happens she makes him spaghetti oh you're right (laughs) and so it's kind of like see she cooks and that's why Michael Douglas is having an affair that's why (laughs) Ann Archer fucking deserves this yeah that's why that's why Beth that's why Beth contributed to to this fatal error (laughs) you expect michael douglas to put his own spaghetti dinner together this is 1987 if i came home from a long weekend my husband was like all i could find in the fridge were leftovers so i fucked another woman like (laughs) you know how fast the divorce papers would be signed Such a great summary of this entire movie. What struck me, and it's the one note I make, is she actually said, if you're hungry, there's spaghetti sauce in the fridge. Yeah, yeah. I think he's implying he has to even cook his own spaghetti. So, like, maybe she actually does a nice homemade sauce, and literally all he had to do was boil some noodles and pour it on. And he looked at it and went, screw this. I'm going to go fuck Glenn Close. Hang out with with Alex, and you know this was the late '80s. Delivery was a thing too. Yeah, so like, if you you're really also didn't... rich. Order a pizza and yeah, stay loyal I mean, I to your tell wife. You right now, that is what my husband does when I don't cook and he isn't making something for himself. He orders in. Like, yeah, you know, how delivery will save so many marriages. Exactly. <laughs> It's like I have the capacity to cook, but if it's just me, it's like I don't need to impress myself. Yeah, I can like- just order something, <laughs> like whatever. I'll usually order something or eat leftovers if I'm by myself because I like yeah. to make meals that are at least for two to four people. It's hard to make like a meal for one. So unless it's like box mac or something or like a can of chili. So yeah, I'll bust out no the Cheetos no mac and cheese <laughs> if it's just me, eat it out of the pot. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the the greatest lie the devil ever told was that a box of mac and cheese was two servings. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. It's like, it's not even one bowl full. Barely. Like, I mean, the, the only way we only use one box is if we're combining it with one can of chili. And then we split it between the two of us. It's an excellent dinner. <laughs> Ooh, that does sound actually really good. Yeah, chili mac. There you go. Cooking tips too. This episode yeah. giving you everything. <laughs> Yeah. 
Come on, Michael Douglas. <laughs> Come on, Michael Douglas. Uh, wasn't at one point, I think he and Catherine Data Jones might have actually been separated, but I think they're back together. Are they? Well, they're still I thought they were. I thought they. I didn't even know that. Um, that that they were together, or that they're that they that they separated. were still together. Yeah. I mean, I believe they are. I mean, I you know, I try not. I say I don't pay attention to celebrities. That's a lie. I totally follow gossip. I mean, it's something to you know check out. But I try not to follow it too hard. Like I'm not you know setting up a Google alert about Michael Douglas's love life. So you know, <laughs> is Catherine Jones like? semi-retired i feel like i don't i'm looking her up she's probably in one of those shows that i don't well she actually was just cast i think as morticia in tim burton family series the one with as gomez and um the newer actress is wednesday i forget her name uh jenna ortega apparently because i ended up on that page (laughs) okay yeah and it does look like she's had other credits I'll admit, though, even though I prefer the Adams Family to the Monsters, I am more interested in Rob Zombie's The Monsters than Tim Burton's I'm Family. super curious about that. <laughs> I hope he just plays it straight like a Rob Zombie film, but with the with the monsters. Like, it he seems just like it. that's what he's gonna do. Is yes. like because everyone's expecting this weird R-rated up. Like, no, I think Rob Zombie just really, really likes the monsters and wants to make more of it. <laughs> And I think that's way more appealing than if, you know, it's just have all the muster characters be like, you fucking piece of shit, talking like Rob Zombie characters. This comes full circle. I think the actor who played Herman Munster was in Fatal Attraction. I think think my husband pointed it out. I think he might have been the guy who was like, well, he made his bed. He's going to lie in it. Well, let's look it up. Yeah, look on IMDb. I would look up the monsters first and then find the actor. Oh, yeah. I have no idea where to start with. Fatal Attraction. So it was the guy who played Herman, Fred Gwynn. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think that he face looks familiar. Attraction. He is known for. Oh, he was Judd in Pet Cemetery. Huh. Oh, how about that? I haven't seen Pet Cemetery. Fatal Attraction. Yeah. <laughs> wow, and he was Judd Crandall two years later. He looks so much older in Pet Cemetery. I feel like, but maybe they made him look older in that one. Maybe. Because wow, I mean, he's, he's supposed to be a pretty old farmer, right? Or yeah. just like an old Maine guy, you know, like a yo. <laughs> hmm. 66. I would have said older. No, oh, well, yeah, I would have thought he was older too. I mean, that's wait, he's 66 years old. Uh well, actually, no, he was 66 when he passed. So in fatal attraction, he would have been oh. 51. I thought you were telling me he was 66 years old now. I'm oh, thinking like okay. that is not possible because my dad is 66 and he was a child when the monsters came out. No. So, unf- okay. Oh, he, he died passed young, away. He died His last young. movie was My Cousin Vinny. Good for him. Good note oh, to wow. go out on. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the end question is, did you like Fatal Attraction? Like, kind of. I mean, I definitely think it's flawed. I also think it's interesting. I I think it's a movie that people should see, you know, to study the genre and to study. It definitely is a great feminist study in terms of backlash or 
ways not to categorize stalking or Mm -hmm. wrongs done to women but i do think what elevates it are the performances and the production values like i do think it was a well-made movie despite the terrible ending i think glenn close was wonderful michael douglas was really good his character was a slime ball but any problems i had with the characterization weren't on him they were with the writing so um yeah i think overall it was good i'd be curious to watch more of his thrillers like um i do want to see basic instinct at some point um so what about you i agree with a lot of that um we it's funny we did an episode on the exorcist a couple years ago and both uh, myself and who i did it with were saying like it's still good but because there's been so many similar movies in its wake that it kind of it hurts the original a little bit and mm-hmm. we acknowledge like that's not the exorcist's fault but because you know the exorcist was such a big thing and it led to so many other demonic possession movies that i've seen the impact is lessened because you know like oh, yeah. oh that's where all of this came from and i kind of felt the same with fail attraction where it was kind of the you know it created the genre of the jilted ex who goes crazy and tries to kill you, you know, like Swim Fan and a few other movies. I actually saw Swim Fan with my <laughs> friend and I went to go make fun of it. And yeah, it did not disappoint. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We've talked about doing a Swim Fan episode at some point because, my God, Swim yeah. Fan. Um, <laughs> Definitely so I, listen to that one. I feel like it did kind of lessen the impact a little bit going back to it and seeing it for the first time and being like, okay, yeah, I've seen all this stuff as a result of just movies copying Fatal Attraction. Um, and yeah, I think, like you said, the performance is really good. Like I, Glenn Close was nominated for a reason. She's very good in it, despite the script taking her character down some paths that Glenn Close preferred. Alex didn't go down. Mm-hmm. It's a very well put together movie. It's just. Yeah, I, I, my biggest issue is just how hard the movie was trying, like after Michael Douglas's original discretion to be like, but it's fine. Like, no, we're, we're all supposed to be on Michael. Du- I would have yeah, preferred like, a little well, more he, like, he, no, you decide. Like, maybe like there the are no good did, guys here. The only thing he did wrong was follow his libido. It's like, yeah, for three straight days. <laughs> Doesn't he even tell his wife it was for one night only, which is, which is not true. Something like that, or maybe just like one weekend. I don't know. I thought he told her like it was one time, it was just one night, and it didn't mean anything. It's like, motherfucker, you went on a picnic and walked dogs. Yeah, it's like, you know, (laughs) ate her spaghetti. Yeah, she cooked (laughs) for you. Like, no. Like, He's I mean, gonna... it's still only one weekend. I mean, I can tell you now if if th- that would be the equivalent of like maybe two dates. And if someone was acting like that at, after you got ghosted after the second date, I mean, it's rude, but, you know, no, like well-functioning person would go to that go to the level of like murdering rabbits over yeah. over two dates. So That's true. have they made modern fatal attraction for like the social media age um i don't know i mean i'm i'm trying to think of it i'm sure there has been at some point but i mean most of the movies the most recent like abuse thriller i can think of is um the remake of invisible man which was really good yeah that was um, really good with elizabeth moss um but they didn't incorporate social media they incorporated the tech of the invisibility um and they also put in the element of you know 
non-belief until it escalates to the point where it's too late mm-hmm. um which which yeah that one was very effective but yeah i'm not sure i mean maybe maybe there has been and I, it just missed my radar but i think i think one of the reasons also i'm not sure if we get too many more of like the the crazy x like we used to i think because there is more care being taken to showing like what stalking actually is or what abuse really is and and doing that effectively i mean the last crazy x movie i can think of that i saw previews for was that terrible looking katherine heigl movie that came out a few that was the one i was thinking too unforgettable yeah and it was like i think it looks like a lifetime movie but like released in theaters you know so it basically was and with yeah. a surprisingly good cast yeah yeah it's one of those like wait why did they, they agree to be in this movie <laughs> yeah what is rosario dawson doing here again yeah you know, <laughs> i guess even rosario dawson sometimes just got to get paid yeah i mean you know it's like virginia madsen said in a lot of interviews it's like acting is is your job and you're not always going to be able to pick and choose like the greatest films because you got to get steady income you know it's you're going to sometimes be on something that you don't want to be in you know <laughs> yeah there's another one i thought of is the boy next door which is kind of the gender reversed one jennifer oh. lopez sleeps with her young neighbor and then he goes nuts yeah that's right well and also one kind of like that although this focused more on like the abuse aspects of it was fear that movie oh with yeah Mark Wahlberg and renee wither uh, renee R- reese witherspoon <laughs> another good escalation at the end and hey this person killed an animal so can't be on their side anymore yeah we got to do a fear episode at some point i'm yeah. amazed we haven't um so yeah that's fatal attraction yeah mostly fine i don't think it blew our minds it's weird to think it was up for best picture and i've also seen way worse movies in terms of sexism and the characterization of women like i almost couldn't even call the movie dated because i have seen stuff as recently as now that uh, not in the same plot but is is bad about how women are in relationships so yeah (laughs) it, it, it costs nothing to just you know just be like I mean, although I guess like, you can't really say Dan ghosted her because he did try to say like it was one time. So, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. He did say like, this is it. This is we're we're, we're done yeah, now. This is it. I'm and going then, to go. Yeah. Like. Yeah. So I will use just real quick opportunity. Probably my favorite like thriller in that regard is Sleeping with the Enemy, which is a much better film. <laughs> and it is. I would highly yeah. recommend that one. That's my that's the movie I always like watching on TV, you know, like when it comes on and I always end up coming in on the last hour. So it's always like when she's already escaped from the husband and she's like picking apples from her cute neighbor's yard. <laughs> and without spoiling the ending, that one does have a good audience. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. That so, was like the best. In the like whole the very movie. earned, like I'm sure if you saw that it, with a crowd it, when it was in theaters, you got a full like <laughs> cheering applause for that moment. Yeah. Um, but no, so, it was fun visiting the film, especially because I heard so much discourse about it and seen so many clips about it. Now I could actually watch the movie Fatal Attraction. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so we do a little thing. I think I don't remember if I made you do it last year, but we're going to do it now where we mentioned something we are currently enjoying. Oh, um, let's see. Currently enjoying. Um, 
uh, baking shows right now, like completely different other than what happened to the rabbit uh, in terms of like, because um, right now Halloween Wars is on the Food Network show. Yes. Where they make the cakescapes and uh, Halloween Baking Championship, which is a bit more focused on like decorative cakes uh, and also Great British Bake Off just returned. And I do actually remember talking with you about that and why it's called Great British Baking Show in the States. I don't know if you remember that. I do actually now you say it yeah yeah it's not just dumb americans it's because like bake off is trademarked here by pillsbury so wow i don't remember that but yeah no no it's because they can't legally call it great british bake off on netflix it's some weird trademark thing so that's why they they call it great british baking show here so yeah it's not just us being dumb (laughs) god damn it pillsbury i know right your stupid crescent rolls. <laughs> not like they're doing much with that trademark. But. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not Pillsbury, but I remember reading somewhere that it was a trademark issue, not like a nicknaming issue. Mm. Although I would definitely watch the Great Pillsbury Bake Off where it's just a bunch of people cracking tubes of cinnamon rolls. And <laughs> well, like, well, they all well, taste the same. I don't know how we pick a winner. I want to say there is a great American bake off or something, but it obviously isn't as popular because you know, it's not just the baking we all like and great British bake off. It's like the charm oh, and the tent and the, the accents know, amazing, and the terminology, the, accents, the amazing contestants. And it was actually, kind of, and I mean, honestly, for me, the most memorable thing about American bake off was when I read that Paul Hollywood apparently had an affair with one of the judges. Oh no. <laughs> it's like, Paul oh. Hollywood in his own fatal attraction scenario. I know. Yeah. I wonder if she's calling like, I had the perfect bake. I had the perfect bake. <laughs> <laughs> I won't <gasps> be ignored, Paul. <laughs> so many good rabbit cooking scenarios to get back at paul hollywood yeah (laughs) uh i feel like i should have something for what i'm currently enjoying but i just recorded an episode and i used it oh well halloween season is there something you're enjoying about that enjoying that (laughs) that it exists um but yeah, like everything is just something we're about to start. We're about mm. to start Midnight Mass. We're about yeah. to start that Squid Game show that everybody's talking about. Oh my gosh. Like I saw, I watched the preview for that and my friends were telling me about it yesterday. And I think I, I think it's just too dark for me right now. I mean, it looks really interesting, but I've also heard it's very bleak. So oh, okay. Yeah. Then maybe because I let my wife off the hook for Midnight Mass because <laughs> I looked up some stuff that happens. But I was like, I oh, know Squid Game looks pretty over the top and silly. So maybe I will go to yeah. her and say, you know what? Maybe you're off the hook for Squid Game too. <laughs> hmm. That's too bad. Oh, uh, maybe I just don't have anything this round. <laughs> maybe uh, stuff. Maybe you're stuff like, is I don't coming. enjoy anything. <laughs> it's, it's really hard to come up with new stuff every week. I forget. Did you say you did have a favorite hockey team last time we talked or um, Maple Leafs? You just don't really follow Maple Leafs. Okay. So are you looking forward to the Maple Leafs season starting? We've been watching preseason Caps games. 
I look forward to that bit at the beginning where we get full of hope <laughs> and then it's the oh, same man. way last every year, time. Last it's not a leaf season if it doesn't end with crushing disappointment. So my, my husband's a big Steve Dangle fan and um, we all felt so bad for him when the Leafs were knocked out in round one last year because it just seemed like they were going to go a lot further. Yeah, that's how we do it. <laughs> yeah. that's, our, that's our thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still remember how nice everyone was in Toronto when we came up to visit in 2016. And that was, um, we, I mean, it, this has happened more than just in 2016, but the caps had just been defeated in round two by the penguins. And so we we're wearing our caps jerseys to go to the hockey hall of fame. And everyone was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Cause we get it. We understand what it's like. As yeah. we, are, we are gearing up to like, all right, it's that time for us to lose horribly to Boston. Here we go. <laughs> okay. So I was going to say like, oh, is that something you're looking forward to or enjoying? Yeah, well, the first, uh, Yes. I'm looking forward to that first part where we can feel all good and be like, this is yeah. it. This is our year. It's not until like March or April where it's like, well, so yeah. You know yeah. what? Yes. I will take that. <laughs> Get to feel good in these opening little bits. Yes. So that is Fatal Attraction. Thank you, Sonara, for joining me here today. Thank you. As mentioned, uh, go to the show notes. Someone to Share My Nightmares, October 19th. Could not recommend it enough. Go out there, grab a copy, grab a copy for your friends. Just keep hitting the plus button until the cart tells you you got to stop. <laughs> and buy all of the copies. But for for, for real, it's uh, it's it's a very fun, very good read to have. Just get you know, you know, read a story before bed. You got a few minutes, read a story, go to sleep. Have pleasant dreams. <laughs> have pleasant dreams, have sexy dreams. And then they get a little weird. <laughs> yeah, which, come on, those are the best kinds of sexy dreams. Where you wake up and you're like, okay, so I'm pretty, okay, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I was in a cabin. There were these fish things trying to eat through the walls. <laughs> <laughs> but yes get the it's it's really really good like i said i would have knocked it out in one sitting had i been able to do it so the fact i was even able to do it in two is hugely impressive and i probably ducked out on some important responsibilities <laughs> to do it well i appreciate that although apologize to anyone who was shirked uh for you so you could enjoy not listening stories. it's probably <laughs> my children they're not listening daddy are you gonna cook anything this pizza in the oven it's probably fine daddy's busy <laughs> well see now they're gonna find new parents because if fatal attraction taught us anything it's if you make people make their own food <laughs> oh that's true i gotta whip up some spaghetti tonight <laughs> can't risk it so that's that's our closing note is yes. always be cooking spaghetti because yes. that's the quickest way to lead to extramarital affairs yes yes don't make your man boil water yeah <laughs> Because he'll just sleep with another woman straight up. It's just and then genetics. your daughter's rabbit will die. Yep. And if you don't have a rabbit, she'll grab the next closest thing. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to protect the dog. I was really glad that the dog didn't die in this one. That's true. The dog had no idea anything even went wrong. Yeah. Dog just got to live its blissful existence and go like sometimes people seem mad, but whatever. <laughs> I'm a dog. Yeah. Things seem fine. 
my dog's sleeping right next to me right now. So I'm like, you stay away from my dog, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Words of wisdom, everybody. Bye. Bye. So for all those things nostalgic, I asked her doing silly.